It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Okay, so you can spend a hundred thousand dollars and maybe see LeBron James set the all-time NBA scoring record, or you could spend twenty, twenty-five dollars to come watch the Cats tonight take down TCU in a top twenty-five matchup. Choose wisely. Cats and Frogs tonight from Bramlage Coliseum. Tip-off at 8 o'clock. It's a late one tonight with pregame starting at 7. So here are the details on that. So we do have Manhattan High Hoops tonight. Troy Coverdale just left for Topeka. He'll be broadcasting both the Manhattan girls and boys from the dungeon. Topeka High taking on the Trojans with a approximate start time at 6 o'clock. We will have full coverage on air of those two games, and then we will join the K-State men's broadcast uh, in progress. The full broadcast will be on our sister station, 101.5 K-Rock. Pre-game at 7. Tip-off will be a few minutes after 8 o'clock. Number 12 Cats, number 17 Horn Frogs from Bramlage Coliseum. I'm Mitch Fortner, and welcome to the show. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm solo today, as Troy last week was solo on a Friday. I'm solo on a Tuesday, and we got a lot to go over, including my top 10 list of the week. And, of course, we will go over my thoughts my keys, today's matchup with the Cats and Horn Frogs with a little Mitch Palm at 510. Number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything. We'll play a little bit of a start bench cut. But right now, we are pleased to be joined for the first time in quite a while, Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, who's helping us jerk the curtain here on the show. Kellis, it's great to talk to you once again. Uh, this is the first time we've had a chance to talk to you since you reached 20,000 followers on Twitter. So, were you watching the number of followers you have like it was a speedometer about to turn over to 100,000 miles? I wasn't. I kind of spaced on the achievement. wasn't until one day I was just kind of looking on there, and I was at maybe 20,000 and like 150, something like that. So, I, I missed the speedometer uh, change by quite a bit. I was uh, kind of like, whoa, when did this happen? When I looked earlier today, I was at what, 20,600. I don't know why people keep following me, but, um, yeah, it's, it's something. I'm watching it like a hawk when I get a new 100th followers. Like when I reach 3,200, I'm like, all right, we're getting a little bit bigger, a little bit more popular. Uh, recently, Kellis, for this K-State men's basketball team, we're now experiencing the first losing streak for Jerome Tang. Of course, you know, under his first year, had started so well with a record of 18-2, and two, uh, but now they're – or maybe not exactly that, but just two losses there for a while, and now they're 18-5 and five is the overall record, and they've lost three straight in, in Big 12 play. You've been to all the games. You were in Ames. I didn't get to watch that whole game, but also K-State losing for the first time at home this year, and that was against Texas on Saturday, and I think a lot of us felt that was a win K-State was going to get. It didn't happen. Have you – seen a common issue with all three losses? I have, actually. Um, it seems like in every game that Kansas State has trouble with, there's two real things that come back to bite them. 
Uh, first is on offense. They tend to turn the ball over too much. And a lot of their losses, when you go back and look, they're at 19 or 20 turnovers. It happened uh, first, their first time in Big 12 play at TCU. I believe they were right at 19 um, over the weekend when they played Texas. Uh, it's just something that happens to them sometimes. <clears throat> uh, they, get, they get a little bit too generous with the ball, have too many giveaways. Keith Noel had six all by himself in this last game. He's supposed to be your, your point guard who handles the ball really good. So whenever Kansas State has those few too many giveaways, they uh, tend to have issues. And then you flip over the other side of the ball, they tend to get beat when opposing big men have really good games on them. Go back to their first game against Butler. Manny Bates had a double-double. First game against TCU, their front court uh, scored all over them. Iowa State had almost 32-point shots in that game. Texas, really, in that second half, what did they do? They got every loose ball. They got a bunch of rebounds. They scored at the rim. Uh, Those are the things I've noticed. When they lose, those are the two things that seem to be happening. Are some of the turnover issues? It feels like it snowballs, especially in the last couple of games. First start or the uh, the first five minutes of the second half, and then finishing the first half against Kansas, just too many turnovers in a row, um, and it really snowballed. And that's when the opponent goes on its big run of the game and kind of, in a way, takes over not only the momentum but just you know taking the lead and building a lead. Uh, Texas didn't really build a big lead ever, but Kansas did in that uh, you know towards the end of the first half. You know, how much also do you think it is that and, and Marquise Noel, he took responsibility for the issues against Texas, but you know, Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel touching it way more than most other guys, especially when trying to score. Do you see any of this as being an issue because not enough guys are stepping up in crucial moments? Yeah, you can certainly make that argument all season. Kansas State's really been uh mostly a two man team even when they went down and had that just uh, amazing road trip in Texas where they beat the Longhorns and Baylor back-to-back, scoring 116 in one game and 97 in the other. It was really just because Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson were just on fire making everything that they put up. Um, so when they play their best, those two guys uh, are, are, are taking them places. They're the ones who scored the most. Um, they're really the only times they've won because somebody else stepped up and helped them really big was when um, Kansas came here, Desi Fields comes off the bench and scores 24. Um, and now teams have kind of figured out, hey, if you can, if you can uh, slow down Marquise Noel, if you can, um, it's a lot harder to slow down Keontae Johnson. He seems to get, you know, 15 points every single game. But if you can slow him down in some way, um, then the other team's chances of winning are, uh, are skyrocketing at that point. So they're doing, these other coaches in the Big 12 are smart. They're doing all they can to make uh, other people beat them. And um, unless other guys step up, it's, it's, there are going to be games where they're both not on and um, it'll be tough to win. So, yeah, I mean, moving forward, you could definitely say Nate Naquan Tomlin needs to score a little bit more. Uh, you could say Desi Sills could get back to where he was at, uh, you know, parts of conference play when he was really scoring off the bench. Um, and, and more than anything, I think they just kind of need to figure out exactly what they want to do with the five. Um, it's kind of weird ever since David uh, Gasson has come back in the lineup you would have thought that had been a, a real, you know, godsend for him. Uh, it hasn't totally worked out that way. Uh, it just kind of seems like they're struggling to figure out when they want to use him compared to Ish and compared to Bebe. Um, getting that rotation squared away has been a little bit of a challenge for him. So those are some other things they can work on to help out Marquise and Keontae. Kellis Robinette, our guest from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. 
kind of a transition into tonight's game, really. And you mentioned the bigs earlier, just on the you know the, the end of that last question. Plus, uh, we found out earlier today. As a matter of fact, it was about an hour or two ago. Eddie Lamkin, who is a starting five for the TCU Horn Frogs, he is going to play tonight. Um, but Mike Miles, the point guard for TCU, he is out. He will not play tonight. He is the preseason All Big Twelve Player of the Year. Um, had a nice day, really nice day against K-State in round one between these two teams. But I, I, I noticed you already made a prediction that was probably assuming Lampkin and Miles would be out. With with Lampkin playing and him being the best rebounder in the team, he's not the most efficient scorer, but he did kind of light up K-State there for a, for a stretch against uh, against the Cats in game number one. How much does it change for you that Lampkin will play tonight? I think Lampkin could potentially be worth four or five points for TCU and kind of what you're expecting. Um, heading into this one, I was I don't remember exactly what I picked, but I definitely picked Kansas State to cover the, the five-point spread. Maybe I picked them by nine, something like that. Um, with Lampkin in the lineup, I would picture this being much closer to a four- or five-point game, which would give TCU an opportunity to steal it on the road if they play really well. Um, the thing I go back to is that in that first game, yeah, Kansas State turned the ball over a lot, and that led to easy layups on the other end for TCU. But TCU just scored pretty much at will at the rim in that game. And it was because Lampkin and their other bigs uh, were having their way against Kansas State's front court. So w- without him and Mike Miles in the lineup, I didn't see a lot of avenues for TCU to win this game. Um, I still think Kansas State is the pick here, even with Lampkin, because I think Mike Miles means that much. Uh, he's one of the best guards in the conference, and he's uh, he, he, much like we were talking about with Keontae and Marquise with Kansas State, he's exactly that for TCU. When he plays their best, that's when TCU is their best. So I don't know that you know this is, uh, having Lampkin in line is such a big deal that you you change your pick entirely and now bet on TCU or something like that. But it definitely makes it a little bit more interesting because, like I said, Kansas State tends to have issues with quality big men. Uh, the other thing I would point out is this is his first game back in a while. Maybe he's got a little bit of rust. So, uh, again, I'd say, you know, uh, it, it changes my expectations marginally, but it, it's not as big as if Miles were playing. Speaking with Kellis Robinette here on the game, I w- want to look now at the Big 12 because last night was a pretty big game between Texas and Kansas. KU wins and Allen Fieldhouse and Texas. Their dream of sweeping the Kansas teams on the road doesn't happen. But KU also did the Big 12 a favor, especially all the contenders, of knocking Texas down a peg. And if K-State wins tonight, now they're just one game back, and they're certainly back in the hunt in a short amount of time within you know less than a week. So I guess the question is, you know, we already have Texas now at three losses. We're halfway through the Big 12 slate. The Big 12 champ, how many losses do you think that team or those teams – would have and still win the championship. I think it could be a, a number like around five or six. Yeah, I think five losses would be good enough to win the league outright. As uh, kind of silly as that sounds, normally it takes <clears throat> quite a few less than that. But I, I think anybody who can go, what would it be, 13 to five, I would be surprised if any if, if two teams do that. So if anybody goes 13 to five, I think that's the team that wins it outright. Um, and then anybody who finishes with six losses will be hoping that there's a little bit of chaos and they can have a share of the title that way. Um, so 
with that in mind, I'd probably favor Texas, Texas at this point just because they have the fewest losses. But, man, there's a real log jam back there. And Kansas State, you know, they're, uh, they've are they dropped in the, the odds quite a bit with their, their last two losses. But if they, they win here tonight, they're set up with two fairly winnable road games in conference play, as winnable as they're going to get at Texas Tech and Oklahoma. So that, that sets them up for a situation to go on a winning streak here before they come back and play Iowa State and Baylor at home. Not a tough two games. There's really not anything like, uh, there's really no such thing as an easy game in this conference. But a win here by Kansas State tonight makes you, you believe a little bit more in their chances for sure. You vote on the, do you vote on the basketball AP poll? I do not. I sit that one out. I do the football uh, as often as I can. I've never actually done basketball, but monitoring, uh, you know, teams playing two, three games in a week. Uh, as a headache, I don't want to deal with, so I, I let somebody else handle that. Yeah, tell me about it. I would have been curious to know if you did, though, where you'd have the Cats because uh, dropping just five spots and you lose two games, a lot of respect, and uh, tells you how tough this schedule is for the Big 12 and especially lately with uh, with Kansas State, the third straight game against a ranked opponent. Uh, all right, yeah, let's well, go ahead. I'll say the, I'll say the, the Big, Big 12 basketball right now has kind of reached the status of, of SEC football in that when a team loses, unless it happens to – you know, somebody crazy like in the, in the SEC uh, for football, maybe you raise your eye, eyebrows a little bit if Georgia loses to Vanderbilt or something. But if it's another team that's respected, like LSU or Alabama or Tennessee or whatever, it, it, you know, people complain about, like, oh, they never get penalized. You know, you see Alabama will drop a game and they don't fall in the rankings. The Big 12 in basketball has kind of achieved that status right now where it doesn't matter if you lose a game against another contender. Um, it almost it, it actually kind of helps you in the analytics because your schedule is so strong. It helps in the net because your schedule is so strong. And that's why you see, like, Kansas uh, before last night had lost four or six Big 12 games, and they were still projected as a, a one or two seed in most bracket projections. Um, people just respect the heck out of this conference, and uh, it, takes, it takes a lot of losses to get somebody's attention. And if you're, you know, even going around 500, Against these teams, yeah, you've lost a few against top 15 teams, but you've also won a lot against them. So, uh, yeah, Big 12 is in a good spot right now in that regard. Joe Lenardi put out his recent bracketology as K-State as a four seed right now. Uh, Okay, over to the Super Bowl. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I know you and your family, big Chiefs fans, what's on the menu? Have you planned out the menu yet for your Super Bowl party? Still working on that a little bit. I'm hoping – the weather can stay, can stay good, and maybe I could smoke something. Um, maybe a little pulled pork. Uh, give give people that option to eat on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, but in the past, we've done you know like a like a taco buffet kind of thing. Mm. You can make nachos, you can make tacos, whatever you want. And then uh, I always try to throw some kind of pizza in there. Maybe uh, maybe some chicken wings too. Just uh, you know, kind of depends on how many people you got coming over. Definitely got to uh, be like a good basketball player and have some versatility there in the food lineup. Well, I'm looking at the weather right now here, Kellis. Sunday is partly sunny in 57. Okay. Well, that's, so, well, that's good backyard smoking weather. Maybe I'll be able to uh, throw a fork butt on the, on the smoker and make some magic. Do you usually do the prop bets for the Super Bowl? I guess with this uh, year I'm, now it being legal I'm, in Kansas. I'm, 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 uh, yeah, we with this is my first Super Bowl when I've actually been able to look at that stuff. There are a couple of them that look appealing, though. Like you're going to bet on uh, the color Gatorade that's uh, poured on the winning coach? <laughs> um, 
you know, the, the ones I've been looking at, um, whoever called the first time out was kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting to me for some reason. Uh, coin toss winner. Uh, the one that actually caught my eye today, um, that I was reading about was, uh, whether the first kickoff of the game is a touchback or not. And, uh, normally I would think, yeah, you've got some pretty good kickers in this game. Harrison, Harrison Butcher or Jake Elliott, they're going to have a touchback, but. I was actually reading that the, the football they use to kick off is like a commemorative ball. It's not the same thing they use everywhere else, so it's maybe somewhat more likely that it is a touchback. I've actually got my wheels spinning. I might uh, be interested in that. It's kind of funny the stuff they can throw out there. It's uh, much more intricate than you'll see at a regular uh, Sunday game. Well, Kellis, if you bet the national anthem length, always take the under. It's been under forever, it feels like. So uh, just look. Really? Yeah. Really? Every okay. time, every time I, uh, I I've kept track of that. I've never bet on it, but anytime I keep track of it, it's always the under. It's always way shorter than what people think. Huh, okay, betting advice you miss, right? I'm going to write that down right now. That's the under the national anthem. So are you officially taking the Chiefs to win it? I do like the Chiefs here. Um, I'll give you a few reasons. Um, Andy Reid, whenever he gets more than a week to prepare for another team, Chiefs tend to win. Andy Reid, whenever they go up against an NFC team, they tend to win. I believe the last time they lost to an NFC team was Tampa Bay in the, the last Super Bowl they were in, um, and that was a repeat game from the regular season, so there was some familiarity there. Uh, look at what they've done this season. They just ravaged the NFC, beat everybody they played, Niners, Bucks, you name it. Uh, I think there's a good chance they do the same thing to the Eagles. And then uh, third, the Eagles, I mean, I hate to feel uh, sound like somebody calling in the Paul Feinbaum, but the Eagles ain't played nobody. Uh, even <laughs> in the playoffs, they get to play the Giants. They get to play the Niners with, uh, without even Brock Purdy in quarterback, without even Brock Purdy in their quarterback. So I think this is going to be a big step up in competition for them. Maybe I'm just viewing this through, you know, red and yellow colored glasses here, but uh, I do think the Chiefs win. Well, Kels, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm kind of looking uh, – well, I – I'm leaning slightly Eagles, but I'm all about the Chiefs winning just so the Eagles can lose as a Dallas Cowboys fan. And uh, let's see, the Eagles right now favored by one and a half points, so very, very slim margin there. And uh, I see tickets on secondary sites are going down now, just thirty-eight hundred apiece. So Kellis, uh, if you can, if you got thirty-eight hundred dollars hanging around, maybe you can make a late trip to Phoenix and or Glendale and watch this, uh, watch this game. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm already going to be in Lubbock on Saturday. That's kind of halfway there. I'm going to keep going, right? I mean, I would not stop in Lubbock. I would just keep going, even though the Cats <laughs> are playing. I'm just saying, I'm not a you know not a big fan of Lubbock. All right, Callis, I kept you longer than I was expecting. I'll let you go. Thanks for your time. Uh, glad to be on, Mitch. Have a good one. Callis Robinette, Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. When we come back, we'll stick with the theme Super Bowl and food top 10 list up next all right so maybe the uh the history of national anthem times has varied over the years however there has been a number of them be under two minutes although i believe like last year's i think they said it like a minute 50 or something or maybe a minute 40 and it was an under for the national anthem Whoever that was. Shout out to Troy for uh, Troy Coverdale for texting me this info because I forgot that Chris Stapleton is singing the national anthem. He may take a little bit. 
But uh, the sports books have set the over-under for the national anthem, ti- national anthem time at 2.02. I'm still kind of feeling the under, though, even though it is Chris Stapleton. By the downs, early light. You know, something like that, right? It's Chris Stapleton. I've seen him in concert at Arrowhead Stadium. I saw him open for uh, George Strait. Troy was there, too. We didn't go together. Um, a lot of people were complaining up in the upper deck that there's too much reverb with Chris Stapleton. It was like it got real bassy. And it's kind of under, it was kind of hard to hear him sing. I was like, we're all only here to sing, hear him sing one song, right? That smooth Tennessee whiskey. Man, that place came to life as soon as that song started playing. I didn't know any other Chris Stapleton song. All right, here we go. Sticking with the Super Bowl. Kind of did this uh, top ten for two reasons. One, maybe I'll encourage you with an idea. And two, kind of wanted to make a list for ideas of myself for myself. Kill two birds with one stone. Plus, you know, it's also you know great content for the show. My top ten list has to do with Super Bowl food. This is my top ten favorite Super Bowl finger foods. I think finger foods are key for the Super Bowl for many reasons. One is, you know, preparation. I don't want to be spending hours getting ready for Super Bowl where we're going to spend hours watching TV, the game, commercials, halftime. It's a lot of focus on the TV, and it's also easier to prepare this stuff, as in when you put it on your plate, there's not a whole lot of messing around with too many condiments and breads and all this stuff. You're trying to, to create this dinner for yourself now you just got to stick a spoon plop get some tongs plop you're good to go right let's make it easy let's not get too carried away with prepping this five course meal for the super bowl it should just be a lot of appetizers right so here we go my top 10 list of favorite super bowl finger foods number 10 number 10 is jalapeno poppers now, this one might take the, the more prep than any of the other things on my list, and that's why I think I maybe have it down in number 10. The thing is, it's a really good go-to food. I'm not the biggest fan of jalapeno poppers, even though I do have it in number 10. I love one, and then I'm, I'm set. I move on to other things. But it's a huge winner. When you have jalapeno poppers, you know you're at a good Super Bowl party, and that's really just the start. Number nine. Next is chicken taquitos. So these come frozen, right? You just got to stick them on a pan in the oven, 400 degrees, but you also throw in, like, throwing some salsas, some sour cream. You can really bougie it up. Presentation, whatever. But it's so easy to make, and they're delicious. And it kind of, you know, Kellis brought it up earlier, like, making tacos and having a taco bar. Like, it's good, but it's not great. I think you can accomplish more with the taquitos and make it a lot easier on yourself. Number eight. Number eight is my cold option, and that is pinwheels. I had never even heard of a pinwheel until my birth, one of my birthdays just recently. My mom made a whole bunch of pinwheels that had like ham, cheese, some mayo in it, maybe some lettuce. It was like super easy to make. But it's a it's a cold option, something you don't have to heat up. And again, easy to make. A lot of people love the ingredients in it. If you make it out of you know flatbread or tortillas, it's a great option. Now, 
This next one, number seven, is a game changer. I I really wanted to put it higher, but it was really tough. Parties do not have number seven enough. As a matter of fact, I've hardly seen it anywhere. Super Bowl parties, and again, easy to prepare, and is a game changer. French fries. Why are we not having more French fries at these things? There are many varieties of French fries. Everybody loves them. It would be a huge hit. I'm telling you, I think French fries need to be added to our our menus, guys and gals. Add French fries. It's not the most expensive thing in the world. Again, easy to prepare. Great finger food. Put in the oven. Bake it. You don't have to fry them. You can bake them. Not a big deal. Put some salt and pepper on them. You're good to go. Easy work and a huge winner. Number six. Number six is an obvious one. It's nachos or chips with salsa, a cheese dip. What I don't like is people getting too carried away with dips. We don't need six different kinds of dips. I think you need to have one basic dip like a cheese dip or a salsa, and maybe one a little bit more out of the ordinary. Like your, like Lindsay the other day, it was actually Christmas, the other day, Christmas, she made the bean dip, the raspberry bean dip that you can get it so long. Uh, that was amazing. You could go with something like that or the, you know, the buffalo, buffalo sauce dip, buffalo chicken dip. That's great. But we don't need six or seven different kinds of dip. There's always that dip that nobody wants. Let, let's save that. Let's not do, overdo it. Couple of dips, two or three, some queso maybe, the salsa, specialty dip, and we're good to go. Don't need to go overboard with it. Number five. Number five, and this is, I think, a must at things like that, and that is meatballs. Again, easy to prepare. You throw them in a pot or a crock pot. You heat them up, throw some sauce on them, and you're good to go. Make sure you have toothpicks poke them or whatever or you know have a spatula put a little on your uh on your plate toothpick you're good to go however let's bougie it up a little bit so i think barbecue sauce is a typical way to go on these things i would throw a little uh throw a little chipotle sauce in there trust me i've done this before talk about a game changer because people are going to ask what you do these are these are good these are great What'd you add to this? One condiment? I'm telling you, people are going to want to steal it. Number four. Number four is pigs in a blanket. Talk about another finger food. Easily can just dip in some sauce. You're good to go. And they're easy to make. Plus, it takes care of a meat option, right? I think we're also going to get a little too overboard with going crazy with some meats. Don't necessarily have to do that. Just get the, uh, just get the dough. From the grocery store, they come in the, the cans or whatever. You know, they pop and they kind of scare you. And then get the little smokies. That's another thing. Like, you don't have to... We already took care of the pot of sauce, like the barbecue sauce and the meatballs. We've taken care of that option. People like to do that with the smokies. Save the smokies for a pig in a blanket. Number three. Number three. I've done this once, and I, I, I kick myself that I haven't done this more often. Because this is the more the the most bougie part of my list, my top ten list of the f- best Super Bowl finger foods: bacon wrapped shrimp. 
Now, to keep it together, you need to use, like, skewers. Wood ones are great, whatever. Make make sure you soak them in water before you use them. And then just take a small strip of bacon. I suggest larger jumbo shrimp because the bigger the better. Uh, it, it's a little more expensive, so what? It's a Super Bowl. This isn't this isn't week four. This is a Super Bowl. The Chiefs are playing. Most likely your favorite team. Let's go all out, guys. Let's get the bacon-wrapped shrimp. I got the influence because of the show Parks and Recreation. Ron Swanson, his first food wrapped around his third favorite food or something like that. Or his first favorite food wrapped around his third favorite food. I was like, you know what? I love bacon. I love shrimp. Let's make that happen. If you've never had it, you got to try it. Number two. Number two on my list is sliders. Not like burgers. I'm talking about here's what you do. Another game changer for you. Here's what you do. Get a package of the King's Hawaiian rolls. Take it out of the package. Cut the whole thing in half. Don't like individually separate the rules. Just cut the whole thing in half. A top and a bottom. One solid thing. You put the bottom in a pan and then you start putting all your meats, your cheeses, whatever you want to do. Put the top on it. Butter the, the, the top of the buns a little bit. Put a little seasoning on the top of the buns. Into the oven. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Lindsay and I did it, uh, was that last year? Turned out fantastic. We had a little roast beef, a little turkey. Uh, we put some cheddar on there. We put some uh, some pepper jack. <sighs> I think we might have to do it. But finally, number one. number one, it's football wings. Wings is my second favorite food ever. But don't do wings with a bunch of sauce. Like you make them and put the sauce on them and all that. Let let your guests put their own sauce on the wings. Dry. Make them dry, like a dry rub if you want to. If not, keep them plain. Don't overwork yourself. But the wings, I think, are the ultimate ultimate way to go when it comes to food for your Super Bowl. What are you doing for your Super Bowl menu? Let me know over the week. At Mitch the Ford on Twitter. At the Game KMAN on Twitter. What food are you preparing for Super Bowl 57? After the break, we'll jump a little bit more into K-State TCU. Phone number 785-537-1350. Feel free to call in. The thing is, I'm not going to be able to monitor the calls and screen them and ask who it is before you go on air. So please, if you call in and come on air, don't be cussing up a storm. 785-537-1350. We're getting closer to tip off at 8 o'clock. Still over uh, three hours away. A late one. Uh, Number 12, Kansas State. Number 17, TCU and Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, during the break, actually kind of going a different route than what I was planning. During the break, uh, I saw somebody on Twitter say something. As a matter of fact, I think it was a KU account. Mentioned something that uh, that this game tonight isn't sold out. And that it's actually a shame that it's not sold out because Coach Tang deserves it to be sold out. And I, gr- I totally agree uh, with that. I didn't know if it was like them trying to mod K-State or whatever. So I got to looking at the tickets My first question was, like, why is the game not sold out? 
remember these games started to sell out. I think K-State did a, like a sale or something after K-State scored 116 against Texas. And then like five games sold out. I was like, hell yeah. You want to talk about, dang, putting this putting this elevate into motion and putting it to, into motion very quickly ahead of schedule. Ticket sales are proving that, and along with the winning record. Huge record at the time. Um, so as I'm looking at the chart here, and I noticed the game wasn't sold out, I'm looking here. It is a little bit disappointing that the game isn't sold out. It made me wonder, like, okay, why didn't it sell out not like a month ago? Was TCU not seen as a great opponent yet? Which I think they should have been taken seriously. They started well. Um, But, you know, TCU wasn't – they weren't Texas. They're not Kansas. They're not Iowa State. And maybe just kind of too used to seeing K-State handle TCU over the years. Hasn't been every year, but quite a few of them. Um. Is it anything to do with the losing streak? I don't really think so. I, I, I don't want to believe that. But I will say, it's really close to selling out. I'm not going to make a huge deal about this. It is very close to selling out. I would rather, you know, talk, like, what is the student section going to be like tonight? Are they so deflated because K-State didn't beat a top 10 Texas team and, and, and gave up the lead in the second half? that now a bunch of them don't want to show up? I really hope not. Honestly, that is a bigger concern because that's such, of course, like that is the voice of the Octagon of Doom. That's from the student section, clearly. Huge part of it, huge. Uh, but this game could definitely sell out. It's it's not crazy far away. We're talking, I mean, I'm just going off the map here at kcsports.com, maybe 200 away. You know, depending on walk-ups, I just wouldn't waste any time getting tickets. I would do it now. It's still going to be an incredible environment. Game's on ESPNU. That's pretty lame. 8 o'clock tip-off. I wonder, does it affect you when it comes to buying tickets if you're not a season ticket holder and you're buying single games? That it's not on a weekend and it's at 8 o'clock? Does that keep you from buying tickets? I doubt that affects very many people. Even though it is a late tip-off, expecting a huge crowd, I'm 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 guessing it would affect more if the team wasn't very good. But this team is great. Yes, they've run into a rough patch, and we'll get to more of that here a little bit because Mitch Palm is coming up at five ten. We will break down this game, but a crowd not showing up is definitely not a key for mine later on tonight. Don't you just love my bed music way more? The Ozman bringing us back as we wrap up our one of the game. Twitter brings us a start bench cut that I really enjoyed because everybody's wrong. It was between Michael Beasley, Kevin Durant, and Zion Williamson. I think it's quite obvious, guys. You start Michael Beasley, you bench Kevin Durant, and you cut Zion Williamson. Michael Beasley set all these records for freshmen. The double-doubles record, I believe, is still his. Michael Beasley was a better scorer, first of all. Uh, Averaged more points, averaged more rebounds than any of those other guys. Zion Williamson was good at scoring inside. I mean, just talk about the strongest and most dominant guy from inside the three-point arc. He is the worst three-point shooter of the three guys. Kevin Durant is just the victim of having just slightly worse numbers. 
just slightly, over Michael Beasley, but I got to go with the numbers. And I got to go with the double-doubles. And I got to go Michael Beasley. Hour two of the game next.